Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The name Terrence Blanchard is well known in the world of jazz and opera. The Academy Award nominee and Grammy Award winning composer Trumpeter scored a big hit a few years ago with his opera Champion, the operatic story of champion boxer Emil Griffith. Now another look at contemporary life sponsored by Opera Theater of St. Louis. Fire Shut Up in My Bones will premiere here in June, a world premiere. It's based on the memoir of New York Times columnist Charles Blow. Terrence Blanchard joins me in studio. It's great to see you. Hey, great to see you too. Congratulations. What a hectic uh, couple of weeks that you've had <laughs> putting together an opera and almost winning an Academy Award. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a whirlwind. It's been a, an amazing experience. Uh, something I would never ever trade in my life. Well, uh, I'm sure you're disappointed for not having won the uh, won the statuette. Actually, not. You know, uh, it, it was such a great experience. That, you know, I know it's been hard for people to really believe this, but. Man, all of the guys in my category, you know, Ludwig, um, uh, Mark Shaman, and Nick, those were the guys that were there. Uh, Alex didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't, he couldn't be there. But with all of the events, we became really close. We became really close friends, man, and we were all rooting for each other. It was a really beautiful experience. For those who don't know, and I'm sure that uh, most people do, that you were nominated uh, for the music for uh, Black Klansman, the Spike Lee film. Let's listen to a little bit of that from the title. from The Black Klansman, composed by our guest, Terrence Blanchard. What do you think when you listen to that? I mean, it's been a while, obviously, mm-hmm. since you put those notes on the paper. Uh, it was interesting. You know, I remember the story of Ron Stallworth, who was a rookie cop, African-American cop in Colorado Springs, and who infiltrated the Klan um, to uh, kind of bust up the Klan at that point. Uh, <clears throat> when I met him, he seemed like such an ordinary guy, but an ordinary guy who did an extraordinary thing. I wanted to try to create a melody that was simple, you know, and heartfelt, but still kind of showed a certain type of strength. So uh, the guitar, electric guitar, was picked up because I remember hearing Jimi Hendrix play the national anthem at Woodstock, and I thought that sound was a very kind of very patriotic, very powerful sound. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would best represent the, the, the moment in the 70s. But harmonically, I used uh, some very stacked fifth intervals that generally creates a certain type of power in harmony. Uh, but we didn't use it in a very brash, aggressive way. Yeah, it's very almost soothing. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I tried to combine both things, a kind of strong, powerful harmonic progression, but with a bluesy type of melody. What what is the process like? I mean, do you do you see the film, see the rough cut of the film before you compose, or do you 
kind of get it going before you really see any of it? I try not to. I, you know, it's funny that you ask that because I used to try to write when I would get the script. But I had to stop doing that because when I would read the script, I was basically creating my own movie in my yeah. own mind. You yeah, know? I see that. Uh, so what I've done is I've tried to just wait until I get the first cut of the film. I'm getting ready to work on I'm working on another film right now called Harriet Tubman. And mm-hmm. I got the first cut, and as soon as I got the first cut, immediately I said, said see, this is why I wait, because uh, the way it looks, the look of it, the way it's cut, the speed of the dialogue, the way it's edited is totally different from what I experienced reading the script myself. How long did it take you? Well, I'm in the process of writing that one. So with, with, with Black Klansman, we were on a time crunch because Spike wanted to uh, take the film to, to, to the Cannes Film Festival. So I basically only had four weeks to write the score. Wow. <laughs> Same thing I said. You know, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know much about writing music. That, that, has, that has to be fast. Yeah. Tell, tell me about, well, certainly talk about the, the opera that you're here to talk about, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are interested in, in, in the movies and your mm-hmm. role in it. And True. Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. What is Spike Lee really like? He's, man, he's such a, he's a, he is a film nerd. You know, he loves making movies. You know, he loves music, too. And he's very knowledgeable about music. Uh, even though he wouldn't tell you, he would never tell you that. Um, working with him and Barry Alexander Brown, that was the beautiful thing about the Oscar nominations because we all were nominated together in various categories. And we've been working together for 30 years. Mm. And the thing about him is that he's always put the film and the story first. You know, I've, I've been in the room with him and Barry where they would have discussions about certain things, there would be some shots that were beautiful that I thought, oh man, please don't lose that shot. But they would say, look, it doesn't add anything to the story. Mm -hmm. So that shows their dedication to what it is that they do. And it's been a a real great experience for me to learn from them, you know, and and to see their dedication has only inspired me. Hmm. He was obviously very disappointed not having won. I think he was ticked off as a matter of fact. Yeah, he was very ticked off. I mean, but, you know, it was his natural reaction, you know, because I think for him, the controversy behind the film, uh, the other film that won was one that kind of just, it still sticks with him, you know, because the family themselves had kind of a bit of a problem with the film, and there was a lot of That's the Green Book that won the uh, Oscar. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But the thing about it, though, you know, what people didn't see was his enthusiasm for Rami. When Rami won uh, mm-hmm. Best Actor, he jumped up as if he won uh, the, the the award. And that's one of the things that I love about Spike, is like he's very dedicated to the craft and he's, he's, he's about the art form. The reaction video that went viral of him hearing the news of the nomination, mm-hmm. what people don't really realize, that, that wasn't him hearing Best Director nomination, that was hearing him hearing Best Picture. Mm-hmm nomination and he always says that's because that means everybody that was involved in the project. How do you think why do you think it is that he's been shut out? I think he's been nominated 6 times or 7 times. Yeah. Uh, an interesting story the, the the first time he was up driving Miss Daisy one and this time it was the green book both the other <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so, yeah. He said I keep believing losing the people driving around the country. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. Um I don't you know I I I think it's um There's a a bunch of factors. Obviously, I think some of it's political, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think also, you know, he's been a unique filmmaker. You know, it's because the beautiful thing about being at the Oscars this this year, um, well, it's my first time there, 
there were so many filmmakers that talked to us and talked to me specifically about how they were influenced by all of those films and how those films kind of defined a certain type of era of filmmaking. Well, it was interesting to hear that with a certain type of distance from it, but while we were doing it, that's not the experience that we had. You know, the experience that we had was, you know, people necessarily didn't understand where Spike was coming from or the shots, the dolly, why is the dolly shot always there? But that's part of his cinematic style. And now with a new generation of filmmakers coming coming up in the business, they are coming in and telling us how much those films have had an impact in their decision-making about making films. Do you think that he chooses subjects that are controversial in and of themselves? They're mm-hmm. tough social uh, social issues. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has something to do with it, maybe? It shouldn't. It, no. it, it, it may, I, but I, don't, I wouldn't see why, because there's been other t- tough topics that have been tackled by other film filmmakers. I think part of it, you know, is, you know, uh, he's a very outspoken person. And I think, you know, sometimes people may not, uh, they may be a little nervous about what he might say. You know, on on when given the microphone, and I think this last when he won the Oscar this time, when he won it for the first time, you know, he started talking about bringing the country together, mm-hmm. and I think that was a shock for a lot of people. But that's really the spike that I know. You know, I think he gets a bad rap because people confuse that with him being an angry black man with with him being yeah. a New Yorker. And see, for me, he's a New Yorker first. Mm-hmm. And I think what everybody experiences is the New York side of him, the the, the outspoken side of him. But I've always viewed him as a person who cares about everybody. Mm. You mentioned uh, Rami Malek, who won the uh, Academy Award for mm-hmm. for uh, playing Freddie Mercury, mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing you saw it. Did you? Oh, man. What, I, what did I, you think of it? I thought it was amazing. I, I, and I told them, I said, man, there were moments in there I forgot I was watching a film, you know, mm-hmm. because I remember... Eddie Mercury. I remember listening to that, listening mm-hmm. to that band, and seeing those videos. Uh, and <clears throat> it's a testament to his 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 talent as an actor, mm-hmm. because you know you, whenever you see a per- performance where you f- you you lose yourself into the story, and you you're not even thinking about this is Rami Malek, that's a testament to the performing performance of the actor. He spent a long time preparing for that role. He did. He did his homework. Yeah, I I thought the movie was great. Well, Mm -hmm. we talked about Spike Lee and his Mm -hmm. uh, interest in social issues. You are, too. Yes. I mean, given the fact that your latest opera, if you Mm -hmm. will, certainly deals with that, as Mm -hmm. as did Champion. Um, How do you get into the opera business? I mean, that's that's not where we expected you to go. I know. I've been asking the same question for years. Uh, well, you know, Opera Theater St. Louis wanted to broaden their experiences, you know, for other folks in the in the opera world here in St. Louis, and they initially thought about doing a jazz opera as an educational piece for students. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Jim Robinson, who's the director, uh, also uh, he's the director of the opera, said, "Well, why don't we put it on the main stage?" And then it became a main production. And you know, they when it when there were conversations about composers, uh, Gene Dobbs Bradford, who's the head of Jazz mm-hmm. St. Louis, had a conversation with me years ago, and he knew my father loved opera, so he brought my name up, and they approached me, and I literally thought they were crazy. I'm mm-hmm. like, you want me to write an opera? Okay, where's this coming from? But it's been one of the greatest experiences of my life. It's been one of the greatest periods of my life working with Opera Theater St. Louis because. They've broken down the stigma of what opera is for me. Yeah. You know, it's really storytelling. That's really what it is. 
What is the Charles Blow story? We all know him from his op-ed columns in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what is the story that's so compelling? Well, the thing about it is a lot of people, if they've read his book, and some people may not know this, but he was molested as a kid, mm -hmm. you know, by a family member. And it was a very traumatic time. He was it, 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 The book is a memoir about his struggles growing up, being a little different from everybody else in the family and people not really understanding where he was coming from and he didn't necessarily fit in. Um, and then at the same time that this that was going on, he was molested by another family member who was visiting, um, and his trials and tribulations of dealing with that, you know, and how we don't have it in the opera because we we cut the opera off at a certain point, but just in talking to him, uh, how he still deals with those issues today as a grown person, mm -hmm. and it's an amazing thing to see because he's become so successful and he's so brilliant at what it is that he does. You wouldn't think that he would still have these issues, but they still linger. A lot of good fodder there for good music. There's this. The book was very rich, but the libretto, who's written by Casey Lemons, another friend a, of mine, who's a great St. Louisan, I believe. St. Louisan, yeah. that's right, and a great film director of, in our own right. Mm -hmm. She's the person that I'm working with right now, doing Harriet Tubman. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she wrote. A, she she adapted the book and and really wrote a brilliant uh, libretto and made the libretto musical. You know, and uh, there's a lot of rich ideas and stories in, within the main story. He grew up in Louisiana, so I imagine there's some mm -hmm. pretty good stuff coming out of that neck of the woods. Well, yeah, you grew up in Gibsland, Louisiana, yeah. you know, which was where Bonnie and Clyde were killed. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I thought they were killed in Texas, but he said there's a monument to Bonnie and Clyde that people shoot up periodically, and he said as a result, he thinks that it creates a certain type of uh, aggressive atmosphere, mm -hmm. which kind of contributed to what happened to him growing up. Does your music uh, in the in the opera kind of reflect the kind of music we're used to from that part of the country? I try not to. Be, I, I was talking to some people about this earlier today. You know, I try not to. I've tried not mm -hmm. to be on the nose with that. You know, but there will be hints of that. There will be a flavor of that. We'll have. Uh, uh, we're going to have a, a, a guitarist who's actually from St. Louis, a young student of mine, the Berkeley College of Music, Matt Sewell. Uh, he's going to be the featured guitarist in the, uh, in the orchestration. We're talking with Terrence Blanchard, uh, who is back in St. Louis, because he has an opera that's going to be performed uh, uh, right here. It's going to premiere here in, uh, in just a couple of weeks with the Opera Theater of uh, St. Louis. Uh, going back to your librettist Mm -hmm. Librettist, is that the yes, word? Yes, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cassie. Um, again, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You have to take her. <laughs> yeah, you have to yeah. take her words to write the music, or oh, yeah, do you work yeah, together yeah. on that. Yeah, well, we, uh, well, we 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 we, we sit down and talk um, before everything, and we actually brought um, uh, Charles here to, to uh, check out one of the seasons a couple of years ago, and then we sat down and just had a power up with him and talked about the the story, and Casey just started to ruminate about what everything she was hearing. She asked, had a lot of questions for him, <laughs> which was kind of funny. She followed him around like a puppy dog. Um, and then she put together the libretto, and we just started working from there. I started writing. Uh, then there were moments and times when Jim, the director, kind of felt like some things needed to be edited, and she'd go back and edit some things, and then that would affect what I was doing with the music. Mm -hmm. There are going to be six performances starting mm -hmm. in the middle of June. Yes. An awful lot of work has gone into this for, <laughs> yes. for, for only six performances. You, well, you're going to well, take it beyond that, obviously. Oh yeah, we hope to. I mean, we've been we've been blessed with Champion. Champion is is going to have its uh, fifth production pretty soon. Once it was premiered here in St. Louis, it went to San Francisco, it went to New Orleans, it went to the Kennedy Center, 
and it was just in Montreal, so it's, what is that? it's going to be six, and it's getting ready to go to Detroit. I'm just looking at my notes here because the Post-Dispatch calls Champion the most important world premiere in uh, St. Louis Opera Theater's history. Wow. That's, that's big. I mean, that's, that's, that's big. Well, that's, that's, that's an honor. Yeah. Uh, given the fact that, you know, I feel like I'm a fish out of water in this, <laughs> in this business, but I've had a great uh, uh, time and a great experience working with Opera Theater St. Louis. They're, they're very passionate people, very committed, you know, and the thing that I love about what they do the most is that they reach out to the community, you know. I'd like to listen to a little bit of the music from Champion. We sure. don't have music yet from uh, the, the latest uh, opera. Mm-hmm. But let's listen to Hallucinations, if you'll tell me just a little bit about uh, its context in the, in the opera. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that, that we were dealing with in this opera, the way we structured it is that Old Emil is always um, uh, uh, hovering around the scene because the entire opera itself is a, is a memory, you know, that he's having. And at certain parts and times, he's dealing with dementia, you know, and his dementia sends him off in the other directions sometimes. So that's kind of what this is about. Yeah. We're picking this up sort of in the middle with the, mm-hmm. with, with the trumpet part, uh, oddly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. selection from the opera champion mm-hmm. written by our guest uh, Terence Blanchard and the title of that was uh, Hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Trumpet featured there. I suppose that <laughs> you kind of lean in that direction when you're uh, when you're writing him. Huh? Well, actually I try not to. <laughs> I try not to. Uh, so but, well, well, that's why in Black Klansman we had a guitar feature. And mm-hmm. I think in, the, in this next opera it's going to be similar. We, in, um, the guitar is going to play a, a very prominent role um, in this opera because by him being from Gibson, Louisiana, I really want to have uh, kind of like the spice or the flavor of the blues, you know, mm-hmm. in some of the things that I'm writing because I'm not writing in the blues format, you know. Um, the the beautiful thing about the libretto is that it has a free-flowing form to it, but I do want to have the essence of the blues underneath it. Yeah. Uh, I, once again, going back to Champion, uh, the life of a boxer is uh, is kind of an unusual subject for for an opera. <laughs> yeah, and it was very interesting because uh, we had to convince them of that. You know, I remember Jim Jim Robinson. He was talking about it yesterday. He said when Terrence told me that we, we you know he wanted to do a thing about uh, an opera about Emil Griffith. He goes, "Great, who's Emil Griffith?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it's really not about boxing. It's really about redemption. It's really about one saving oneself. You know, it's about. Everything that he went through, you know, trying to deal with his own sexuality, 
you know. Um, I always thought it was a, a very powerful story because, you know, whenever I won my first Grammy, the first thing that I did was to turn to my wife and give her a kiss and a hug and just share mm-hmm. a moment with her and to think that he became a welterweight champion and couldn't do that with anybody that he loved was a travesty to me, you know. And in his book, he said, which we used the line in the opera, you know, I killed a man and the world forgave me, but yet I love the man and the world mm-hmm. wants to kill me. Well, that's... <laughs> The, dealing with his sexuality and champion, is, you, I guess you also do that in uh, in this one with Charles Blow. Yeah, uh, we're, yes, and, and it's more uh, about the 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 act of being molested. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 whole idea of how it was a family member that did it. Well, Terrence Blanchard, we're going to look forward to that as we Thank do you. for everything that you do. You're Thank so you. accomplished at everything you do. Fire Shut Up in My Bones is going to premiere here in June. Mm-hmm. It'll be at the Loretto Hilton, and uh, we'll all look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And congratulations to you once again for Thank all you. of your accomplishments. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU, and we'll go out to the sound of Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm.